This is a global original podcast. Hi, and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations, and ultimately, the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. So today's chat is... I tell you what, today's chat is a surprising one. We start from a position of what on earth can we do to help mm. our children? What are our fears? Mm. We hear from teams, we hear from parents. And I love media. both for Carlitos and Maddie's contributions, um, contributions mm. were just, are just brilliant, brilliant. And we come up with, surprisingly for us, some meaningful, I think, suggestions mm. and tips and tactics, mm. I think, for mm. trying to manage things. Mm. So this is a surprisingly upbeat chat. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. And, and to admit where we are powerless yeah. can be a huge relief. <laughs> There's some of this that we are utterly powerless over. Yeah, a- apart from that jingly music can now end. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, yet again, mm-hmm. still in our hovel, mm-hmm. still locked away like a scene from medieval Britain in the middle of the plague. Mm, and with restrictions definitely here for the next six months. We're going to be in here for the next six months, are we? We're not going to be going into the studio. Well, there's the constant refrain, which uh, me and Maddie know only too well from Game of Thrones, winter is coming, coming. which has such a sinister, and it's quite an important phrase, actually, has such sinister connotations Mm. in Game of Thrones. I mean, it it basically indicates that that's the end. You know, we're going to die. Death is coming. Winter is coming is always a a prefiguring of of doom Mm. and gloom. And, you know, literally on the news all the time at the moment, we... There's this kind of description of, of of our own winter in the same way, but the weird thing that strikes me, I don't know if it, I don't know if this has struck you before we get going in this chat. What are our fears for our teens as we enter the winter and all the potentials of a second wave or a second lockdown and all this stuff and with the new restraints and restrictions that Boris announced the other night? Why is anyone surprised? Oh, just don't get me started Why on Why is that. anyone surprised this is happening? They're supposed to be preparing for it the whole of the summer and now there seems to be an element of shock. But even, but not, even, not, um, not just in governmental circles. I mean, us sort of, let, you know, on the grassroots, mm. us lot. Like, when, I, when you hear parents talk, it's like, oh, it's come... What did we seriously think this was going to go away? Did we seriously think that things were going to be sorted? I think by people now? had hope. I think we all had glimmers of hope that maybe it was no, going maybe. to fade away. Of course, we did. It's it's hope that it keeps us human and keeps us, you know. It's also hope moving. that kills. And it's also hope that well, that's what's going to be my next line. It's also the hope that can kill us because mm. of the disappointment, the end of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <sighs> So, guys, we're going to be talking about how are we best positioned as parents to help our teens. But, you know, more tellingly, we're going to find out from both... Are we best positioned to help ourselves? Help ourselves, or how, how unpositioned we are to not help our teens. Because, I mean, there's only so much you can actually do. There's only so much you can say. And I think if there's one commonality and one sort of truism about the whole lockdown and being a parent is... It's forcing us all to face the limitations of what we can do as parents in a very acute mm. and very real mm. way. It's very mm. sobering, I feel, yeah. on a daily basis. And it's almost. very levelling because everyone has Incredibly. to do the same thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, regardless of class, you know, I mean, money can buy you a certain amount of comfort and all of that. And there are hugely, you know, contrasting experiences. One mm. can't stress that there aren't yeah. single parent families versus, you know, if you're in a, you know, 
posh pile with a huge garden. Then you're and loads of family that exactly. live in the house with you. So you've got company. although not not more than six, if they're any more than no. But if you've got a household, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> you've got six children. Well, no, no. I mean, parents. it's funny because when the rule of six came in, I did people entertain thoughts asking. of if you had families of eight, yeah. what do they have to do? Ask people, people to leave. People were asking us that on social media, saying, "What well, am I allowed to take all my children out at the same time?" Well, the dilemma for a family like ours is very real. In that, if you think that nanny dies part of our bubble. Mm. So they're not make... mentioning the no, bubbles, no, 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 though. No, we don't no. know if, if the bubbles. If Nanny dies, our grandmother is a part of our. My mother is a part of our bubble. That makes us a family, a household of five. Yeah. That actually means I'm not allowed to pull my entire brood of children into this house because they don't they're live your here. Children. Mad with Fleur and Izzy, because that would take us to seven. Yeah. And this must be happening for families elsewhere. So there's one of my family that I could not pull in. Mm. At the moment, because because of the rule of six, and it's an important point you're making, actually, because and I hadn't really thought about this because our kids are older now, but I'm always thinking about the kids and their friends. Yeah, but also it is family, isn't it? If yes. you've got a big extended family, lots of cousins yeah. and aunties yeah. and uncles, absolutely, and you're and you're and you're juggling between all of those. I'm just trying to. Picture the arguments that must be going in bigger household, bigger households that must be going on. Huge rows must be happening about which auntie Flo is going to be allowed to come around and which cousins and between different yes. siblings. Yeah. Because we spent a lot of time with our cousins when we were growing up and yeah. we each had our favourite cousin. So who would cho- choose whose favourite mm. cousin to come in, into the house? And I think that that's where I have a sort of real problem with the rule of six because you're allowed to a maximum of six households, which seems a ludicrously large which amount. Which we never had before. Four. Whereas I think they should be prioritising a fewer number of households and maybe more flexibility around the number yeah. of people to cater yeah. for family requirements yeah. rather than into house requirements. Yeah. Six still. They're really wa- some people are really worried about these six different households because that's six different households that's then uh, spread out to six other groups of friends. I mean the exponentiality exp- of it. Exponentiality. Of but it but I, I, is... I get concerned about the bubble concept. I mean, there's yeah. my mum bubbling around London, bobbing around like Mary yeah. Poppins. And you know, the listen, drugs. these are all the conversations we are all having around our young people. Mm. This is the norm well, for I... them to hear just bubbling along, bubbling along, bubbling along. And it's not blooming normal. Poor things, poor blooming things. I disagree. And I like hearing that... about the winter, like, mm. you know, with such horror and such fear. Yeah. And talking about death, death, death. I mean, I didn't realise that 5,000 people every January die from respiratory diseases anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's going to be another thing. We're going to have the death count every day again, which oh, yeah. I just think has been it's, terrible it's already for everyone's up. health. It's already Everyone. creeping up. Yeah, we're hearing about it already. See, I, I disagree slightly uh, with a, a little part of what you said there in that, you know, teens you know we're all thinking about how this affects i don't think we are thinking as much about how this affects our teens societally no as i'm much saying as we're we all having these conversations yeah, 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 around yeah. teens over the top of their heads yeah but you know oh well who are we going to have and who's going to die in the family and who i'm just saying but oh, I see conversations about the disease but i think yeah, yeah they're, they're I, taking in without us really really being concerned enough about what they're having to hear, maybe. But what I don't think is happening as much as was happening, and, you know, it can be sort of like, you can sort of feel it within the subjects of our of our conversations, just, just you know, confessions of a modern parent. There comes a point where there's only so much you can say. There comes a point where there's only so much you can do. You can only sort of advise. You can only trust. You can only observe the guidelines. You can only, you know, in a sense, 
use a carrot and a stick because it seems to be a favourite analogy at the moment with your children as, as much as much as possible. And you can only go so far. So, for example, we would be, you know, it would be churlish of us to assume that all children and all teens are, are observing social distancing beautifully when they're out. They're of course they're not. Of course um, I don't stand in a position of huge judgment, though... I do realise, and we do say to our girls all the time, this is a very real concern. This is a very real issue. Neither me nor you want to get this. We don't want to get it. Our, our, the elderly in our family don't but want to get that, it either. Even that conversation, mm. I think, is an extremely tricky conversation. And we do it very, very casually because I really, really disagree with this don't kill your granny. Oh, it's I, harsh, I, I mean, isn't imagine it? if you or I were to get yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. And who would know where that could come from? We no. go to the shops, we go to work, we go out. Nobody knows. And imagine you've got that left in your over, hanging over your child's head. I think. I think because it's they say, "Oh well, what, oh, you know." I mean, say we did get it, and they do go out, mm. and they go to the park, mm. and they go and see their friends in the park. I mean, apart from anything else, it's really important that kids are in the park playing, getting exercise, getting sunlight. But I think, in a and way, then say we got it. Yeah. And they in any way held themselves responsible for that. I think it's shameful, shameful. actually, of society to use that phrase with kids. I mean, I, I understand where it's come from, but I think the choice of words, it's so spectacularly British. It parks all the blame, all the responsibility with no Shocking. consideration for the ramifications psychologically or health-wise or mental health-wise for how that could impact a child if something like that happened. It's a little bit akin to, and it used to drive me nuts from, you know, pre in our pre-COVID times. My mum is a big one for saying, who's got a cold? because I've got a cold, like someone has actively done something terrible mm. to kind of, you know, hurt you with a cold. No one does it willingly. No one does no. it meaningfully. And I think the thing with COVID is it's become well, it's become weaponised mm. and it's become weaponised in the most lowest level ways because you can potentially get it just from taking a parcel off a postman. Mm. What are you going to say to postman? Mm. Don't kill mm -mm. The pe your, mm. your postal recipients. I mean, I think where it comes from is the, is, is the people of... Because the people that are really obviously flouting the rules. Mm. For mm. instance, this chap that they think that came back from holiday, yeah. didn't self-isolate, he had COVID and he went on a pub crawl. So I think that's where people, where this, I can understand where the strong feelings come when people say don't kill a granny. Yeah. I can yeah. understand that. I mean, I think what we need more than ever is less judgment for sure. But I do think that we have to take real accountability for our words regarding our young people, because yeah. I think they are under enormous pressure. I mean, enough is said in the world about the vulnerable. I mean, I'm now class vulnerable being over 55. You know, the vulnerable, <clears throat> you've got asthma, you're vulnerable. The elderly, we know about that. I just don't feel there's enough conversations, enough articles, enough journalists, enough exposés about what's really going on for young people and their mental health and any real advice on how to support them. Every time I see anybody um, talking about this, whether it be a psychologist or a doctor or a politician, they just keep repeating the rules that we all know. Face, da, face yeah. mask, derp, yeah. Well, they know that. We know that. And we also know that there's going to be very, very few children that are going to stick rigidly to yeah. those rules i think i mean how many do honestly i think with all due respect i think you have to factor into it's like it's like being responsible for a nursery class yeah. and saying that none of them must touch or interact with each other 
You can say it. Well, no, you can say it. Yeah, yeah, you can say it. But you have to face the reality that it's not going to happen. So in many regards, I think think a more favourable approach to our young would be to say, this is the ideal. This is what we all hope for. This is what perhaps if you're a little bit older, you could aim for. But to not weaponize or stigmatize mm. all the behavior or any behavior when it doesn't quite hit that target mm. because they are young they are getting the confusing signals of it's all right to be in a bubble at school yeah. but it's well, not all right to, to be a bubble and help out outside three weeks it's all right ago. to help out now <laughs> one of the things that frustrates me is i think the young we've talked about this a few times i think the young are being en masse terribly maligned yeah you know, so our daughters have been out in observing the rule of six and they say that they're a sort of and I, I want to say this guardedly because I'm not sort of swiping a sort of scythe through, you know, I don't know, worthy from Tunbridge Wells, you know. But there's a lot of middle-aged women and men, busybodies, <laughs> taking photographs of them in parks. How dare for what they? Purpose? they take now, a photograph of my child. Yeah. Now, if <laughs> I'm honest, if I think of someone, say, like Nanny Dye, there are, why are we not hearing about the countless number of older people who are themselves vulnerable, who are putting themselves at risk mm, by like running, like my mum, who has a sense of, well, it's not going to affect me. I think it's all a bit of a bloody fuss about nothing anyway. Yeah. I don't see why I should be told to have to do this, this, this mm. and this. There's mm. a, there's probably as many of those older people, people doing older that. people doing Absolutely. that, as there are younger people yeah. who are not even actually thinking about breaking the rules. They're just being young. They're just the being older young. people, older people. So what, do we have, an ex- we have an excuse for older people? Well, they've got fewer years and they're set in the ways, but there's no understanding Standing of the kind of carefreeness of being young or yeah. the forgetfulness of being young. It really annoys me <clears> that. <throat> and it goes back to this thing that I've talked about a lot on our social media and our coffee moanings on YouTube, that I do worry we're going to have come out of this in whatever way we do come out of this with a massive rift, a generational rift, yeah. a real resentment from the youngsters. And that will translate itself into an increased lack of compassion, I think, for our generation, mine and yours generation, and yeah. a few people younger than us, when we get older, it'll be like, well, sod you. Yeah. You treated us like shit. You thought we were this. You thought we were that. You told well, us. You told, you told us, us we were this. Because I, 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 I mean, I'm a great one for really being very careful with labels. Yeah. We came from a generation of parenting, didn't we, where everyone had a label. I had about 10 labels and I still live yeah. by them to this day. I was the smelly one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was lazy. I was this, I was that, I was messy. I was all those things. I now will say them. Each one of the labels I was given, I will say them almost on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah. So I'm always been really mindful of labels, but it feels like we're labeling a generation. Absolutely. And telling them that they're yeah. heartless, telling them that they don't care. Well, mm. if you tell somebody that enough, they will stop. They'll go, okay, well, that's exactly. what I am. Think about a toddler when you do that. You're naughty, you're naughty, you're naughty. The difference between yeah. you're naughty and that's actually naughty behaviour is a really important distinction. What a you horrible know? bunch of elders yeah. we've been. On the minutes before um, coronavirus, they were the snowflakes. I know. Now they're going through it. They're the granny killers. I, I know. I mean, you know, could we not have a more favourable way of looking at our youngsters? I think today is the best day ever to hear from um, both Mm. Maddie and Carlitos. Mm. If this is the first time, listener, that you've listened to Confessions of a Modern Parent, um, often we will bring in our eldest daughter, Maddie, 17, and my friend Lisa's son, Carlitos, who is 16, to give us an insight. We all want to know what's going on in their heads, mm. don't we? I mean, any parent listening to this knows that their kids spend most of their time in their bedroom. And when you ask them if they're right, like, yeah. 
Why? Right? I mean, Why? we get virtually no verbal yeah. communication whatsoever. So, so this is refreshing for us. Guys. So we're both really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't heard from them for the last few weeks because it hasn't really been relevant to have them in it. No. But actually, we, we, we never listened to them beforehand. So, um, yeah, this is going to be uh, an education for so us as well. So one of the, the, the kind of gist of what we've asked both you guys, listeners, on our social media platforms mm. is what are your worst fears going into winter around, you know, all of this talk of a second lockdown, a second wave the potential restrictions on their lives and and, you know so we've asked our teens in a sense to share with us both what their fears are and also what they think we can do as parents yeah how we can support as parents and they're talking not only uh, i mean not everything they say will be about them they're also talking about their friendship group but of course they're not going to name anybody so it'll be a mixture of their thoughts and feelings and their friends um i feel with for me personally all of this new stuff, you know, um, coming out about COVID again, like, you know, um, perhaps another lockdown, you know, stricter rules, like um, it's not allowed, you know, for six people to meet and all of this. Um, I was really upset when the that rule came out um, for it to be legal, illegal for over six to meet. Uh, I was really upset by it, not so much about the rule itself, because... I can kind of stick to that rule, but it was more the fact that I kind of felt like life for me was getting back to normal. Like I was kind of, I was seeing my close friends again, you know, I was being able to go on transport and I was kind of, you know, for me, I was feeling like, you know, life was getting back on track. And then that rule kind of just felt like a big slap in the face and just a big reminder that we're not coming out of it and we're not near the end. Um, So... Yeah, I was really upset about the fact that it's, you know, I was just more upset about not necessarily the rule, but just the fact that we're not near the end of this yet and I'm so over it. (laughs) Um, And I think it is a really difficult situation because I personally, and I know all of my friends as well, get really angry when the news and the government and older generations make it out to seem like it's just younger people that are breaking all the rules, which, of course, a lot of young people are breaking the rules. I know loads of people that have, you know, broken the rules far too much. But if you're just going to blame the whole, you know, the whole, our entire generation, you're not going to get us on your side, you know what I mean? It's only going to cause more problems. You just need to look at it as everybody needs to observe these rules because I've seen plenty of people that are far older than me breaking the rules far more than the people around my age and I think it's really small-minded to just blame a generation simply because we're young and we're known to be rebellious, which, sure, we are, and we want more than anything to live a normal teenager life and just be rebellious and just, you know, do whatever we want. Sure, of course we want to do that. That's natural. The same way all these older generations wanted to and managed to do this kind of stuff when they were our age, but we don't get to do that. And it's unfair to just blame us for it all the time. And to be honest, more than anything, it just makes me really angry and it makes me frustrated. And it's just unfair, in my opinion. Um, And... I just feel like with the whole COVID situation, obviously it's upset me, but the biggest emotion I feel around it all is just pure anger and just... Because I hate when stuff isn't factual. Like, I hate 
not knowing what's going to happen and I just feel like nobody knows what is going on and nobody will just admit that they don't know what they're doing. Like, I think that if the government just, if Boris or anyone just stood up there and just went, look, this is a first, we don't know what to do. We can only tell you what we, you know. If they were just honest like that, I would have far more respect, but it's the fact that they pretend like they know what they're doing and then change the rules and the facts and the ways of getting around it and what causes it and what not causes it. The fact that they change that every day because they don't know what the hell they're doing makes everybody lose respect for them. And and I think it's really dangerous when you lose a whole nation's respect, which I think the government has. If I would have, I would be so, I would be more willing to follow rules if they just stood there and went, we're doing this because we don't know what to do. And we hope this is going to be something that fixes it. Not, this is what will get rid of COVID, do this or else. Because we all know that none of this is factual. Nobody knows what to do. This is the first time this has happened. Um, and yeah, I just, I just feel a lot of anger and tiredness. I'm, I'm really tired of it. And I don't even know what to say to parents to help you know, their kids getting through it. I know so many people that have... I mean, I've struggled with this whole thing, but I know people that have struggled far more than me that are my age. And I just don't even know, you know, nobody... It's so hard to know what to do because, you know, when people have reached out to me, I'm like, I, I feel the same. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do to make it feel better. It's not like we can all go out and party and forget about it and get drunk and do all the stuff we want to do at this age because... <laughs> that's not what we can do. So I don't know what I can suggest. And I just, it just, it just makes me angry and it makes me upset. But I think the sadness just ends up turning into anger for me. And, um, I, but at the same time, I'm angry with what's going on, but I also don't have answers and I don't know what is a good, what the best way to deal with this is. I don't know what to say that can help anything going on. I, I wish for sure this is something I definitely wish for. I wish that there was more concern around mental health during this whole thing because I saw a really scary statistic saying there were more suicide deaths in August than there were COVID deaths. And that was shocking. I said from the start, you know, there's going to be more... We're going to have more of a problem with mental health after all of this than we're going to have had with COVID in the end, in the big end, in the end of all of it. And and, and that's true because that statistic is terrifying, I think. Um, and, it, yeah, it just makes me angry that there seems to be no help around surrounding mental health at the moment. It's, it's just been thrown out of the window when it's probably the most serious it's been in a while um, and I'm also so angry with how the news and social media has reacted to the whole COVID thing. I think they're scaring people. Obviously, it's a scary virus and it's deadly and there are consequences to it and we should all be aware of it, but they have scared people far more than they have needed to. And, you know, just, just a few times that I've kind of sat and I've caught on and I've watched some of, you know, the news at Sky News and all of this, they're just trying to make it as dramatic as they possibly can. You can see where they're interviewing people. They're trying, they're like pushing the people to to say something more scary than 
but realistically there isn't anything to say because it's not as scary as they want to make it out and if you make people panic and you make people feel hope hopeless then people aren't going to change and people aren't going to try and fix it it's the same with climate change you know if people are made to feel like there isn't a way around it and there's no end then of course they're not gonna you know be hopeful or try hard to fix things because they don't think there is there's a way of doing that so yeah um I'm just really angry at the moment more than anything else um and I think that's a valid feeling for anyone to be like well you know you just need to think about all of the people suffering which obviously I am you know I I'm being aware of uh many of the rules because you know of the older family members family members in the family and uh anyone in my family that have underlying health conditions of course I'm aware of that I care so much about those people obviously I don't want them to get sick but I'm still allowed to feel angry I'm still allowed to be upset I'm still allowed to be tired of all of it um and yeah I think those are valid feelings for anyone not just you know people my age like this sucks for everybody and I just the reason I'm angry is that I just feel like they everybody just wants to blame my generation because we're known to be rebellious. And I mean, yes, of course, people my age are breaking the rules, but so are so are a lot of old people. Um, I've met far more like old people that have been like, oh, well, forget the rules. I'm going to, you know, I'm towards the end of my life. I'm going to live it how I want to, which is, you know, fair enough. Like we're all that sick and tired of it, but it, don't just blame one generation. This is our, this is something everybody's in together. The whole world is in this together. Nobody should really be blamed for it. We just need to knuckle down and just get, try and get through it as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that is personally how I feel about COVID at the moment. <laughs> really sad <laughs> point there. Why are what it? What is it about us as a culture, as a civilization? British, as well as the West generally, it's happening in America, that we have to point the finger. Mm. Why do we always have to point the finger? I think it's really interesting what she said there. Did you notice the way she skipped over what parents can do? Well, she so knows. She knows. That it's, but what I would say Well, is, we didn't finish that. She knows that there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Yeah. But what I would say is... What was so good about what she said and very difficult to hear mm. as a parent is she says, I feel sad and that's okay. I feel angry and that's okay. Mm, mm. I feel frustrated and that's okay. I feel sad sometimes and that comes out as anger. And I think that is brilliant. I'm really, though that makes me so sad because that's the way our 17-year-old who should be feeling as free and as carefree as every other 17-year-old feels all those things. The important thing that she's saying there is that she's acknowledging that these feelings are real mm. and that they're valid and it's and it would be batshit crazy if she wasn't feeling them. And I think that that's what we have to keep on doing, all of us, isn't it, listener, with our children, is saying, yeah, it feels this bad. And she actually said there as well, and it will pass. Mm. I, you know, we will get through this. I do. I... So, I mean... <laughs> I don't know what I was hoping for from that. I was hoping, I suppose, that she would say, I need my parents to do X, Y, Z, and then we would be able to do it. And then somehow we would feel yeah. we're being able to fix. But actually, 
she's actually the way that she's articulating the way that she feels is actually the only way isn't it well i mean and in many regards what she was saying goes back to what i was saying at the beginning which is this whole crisis is pushing us up to the very edges of mm. what we can affect affect mm. as parents in our children's lives and i think you know her acknowledgement of the inability of us to do things we have to almost turn that into a strength for us as parents because i think the only thing listener you can do with your children is not say to them oh get over it push it aside hide it under a rug you know it's don't be don't be feeling that don't be feeling yeah. those things or castigating them for well you haven't got it as bad as such and such and you know you have to validate i mean this isn't kind of happy clappy liberal thinking nonsense navel gazing philosophical mindful shit here but it is also all of that and there's some there's room for some of that you need to sit down with your teens you need to sit down with them and they need to see in you you your humanity too they need to see that we are all in a situation where there are no immediate answers for certain things mm. there will be answers further down the way things are mutable things are changeable things will shift now in the short term winter is coming winter is coming but also in the longer term then spring's coming. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think there are ways and means of looking beyond mm. even the short term, even if the short term feels like long term, which is six months. And I do think that by taking ownership of the unanswerabilities and the imponderables and the inability to kind of solve or resolve for our children, by taking ownership of that and having a safe space to sit down and feel that, hug your kids, sit with them, let them cry, let them see that you're upset by them. And let them be angry. It's interesting there that she said, when I'm sad, I'm quite often angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's very difficult because we're all dealing with the fears and the worries, aren't we, guys? Mm. And I know... I mean, you know, and so, God, I mean, people are struggling, losing their jobs, not knowing where they can. This is very, 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 very trying mm. times. But I think added on top of that, a moody, angry, stomping around teenager can actually push you to the limit and yeah. think I actually can't go. And it's very and, and, and completely understandable that you would turn around, I just put a bloody smile in your face. But I think we have to often, we have to, what we have to try really hard to remember is that often when they're angry, they're actually just very, very, very sad. Very, good very, very sad. And they don't know how to deal with these complex emotions. Mm. Because if we think about how much we're struggling with these complex emotions, why would we not think that and they also, are too? Yeah, and also, you know, as adults, we're, we're allowed, because we're adults, to have down days. You know, you'll say yeah. to me, you seem a bit, I say, yeah, I'm having a shit day. I'm having a down day. I'm really, two days ago, I was having probably my worst day in about four months of just dealing with the, you know, inevitability and frustration mm. and circularity of COVID. Before. You'd had one dark, the day before. Dark. Well, you know, our teens are allowed them too, but also our teens are also, they're, they're sophisticated beasts. They also realise that if they're like that, they run the risk of aggravating their parents. So they'll do things like they'll feel like that, but they'll avoid us. We'll read all of that as you're avoiding me and you're being moody. But well, actually, they're yeah, trying they're to contain. Trying to, they're trying to manage it. Yeah, I, I'm right from the beginning of lockdown. We did something every day, didn't we, where we were all checking in with each other's feelings and saying, where are we at? And from 10 down to one, where are you feeling? 10 is the worst. And it became quite a jokey thing with us. And they would say, oh, well, apart from yeah. virus, a deadly virus outside. But in that, we do in our own way, individually, just very naturally. And I, you know, say, how actually is it? You know, how actually are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Because I think the thing is, as adults, we've all got our heads down, just trying to cope, 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 cope. And I think to actually give the space even if it's just three or four minutes where you just say, how are you feeling? And what I always say to the girls, when if Maddie says, oh, this is bad, or I say, I can't even imagine yeah. if, I, if, if I were you at this age, 
when I would think what I was like, it's I can't even imagine yeah. how difficult this must be. But what I'm seeing is you dealing with it really mm. well, a really difficult situation. It must be so awful mm. for you. And you literally see her shoulders drop. Mm. And because what you were saying is you're saying it's okay to feel like that. We all bloody feel like that. Yeah. And it's I mean, not a competition about who's feeling no, it no, worse. No, no. And also some of those normal kind of refrains, it's like Maddie's at the age now, you know, she was talking to friends about getting her first, you know, um, sort of filling in job while she does other sort of studying online courses and what have you, you know, working in a pub. You know, the hospitality sector is about to be hit again. Now, the point about the hospitality sector and why, for me, it's so important isn't just, you know, pret don't get me going on pret but it's the fact that the hospitality sector at the lowest levels, at those entry point levels, you know, sort of like bar staff mm. or, or just cleaning tables, those are the first necessary little jobs that allow most young adults to fill their first little, you know, moments of freedom, self-sustainability, mm. their so own excited. cash in their yeah. pocket and all that kind of stuff. So she was excited about that. It's easy also for us, the older generations to go, well, why don't they get jobs? What you have to understand is jobs are vaporising by the second. Mm, well, the, 10 o'clock, the 10 o'clock curfew, you know, those jobs are very... Well, no, but there's still almost a sensibility or a sense of, well, keep yourself busy. There are... And it's very hard as a parent to be able to, you know, say to your child, let's keep you busy. I mean, I'm I'm very good at thinking at how we can use London from a homeschooling perspective or just from a culturally feeding ourselves perspective beyond going to just restaurants or just sitting in pubs. You know, there's lots of places you could go to. And they're all closed. They're all monitored. Mm. They all require bookings so that you have to book six, seven, eight days ahead. And because of the nature of everything, we don't know what we're doing six, mm. seven or eight days ahead. And so it's very hard to get those vital bits of oxygen into and, and air bubbles into your family life that just keep you off each other's backs and not feeling like you're kind of calcifying. And also, I'd just like to just before we hear from Carlitos, just a quick shout out to the fact a lot of listeners, a lot of our listeners are, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, university graduates, undergraduates, what have you. This is an incredibly difficult time. Mm. You know, Freshers' Week has just happened virtually for most people. We're hearing stories from friends, children of friends saying, oh, my God, I'm in a university town and I'm sitting in my bedsit and I'm doing lectures without meeting anyone. This is yes. horrific. This and is people in tears, yeah. bringing their parents in tears. The charm and the joy of university life oh, has, has just vaporised. You've got all of that. And then you've got the government saying, uh, potentially, and it's coming through a lot of the press today, that most children or most young adults at college are going to have to consider staying there for Christmas. Really? The recommendation is the the huge worry now wasn't them going away and potentially spreading from family, it's the potential of them coming, coming back. back and there being a, a, a oh, spike God. at Christmas. Now, imagine that potential situation. So you're not only at university with no friend. Now, that, that really worried me when I saw that narrative starting to kick in today because the mental health drip drip effect of a first term without all of the colour and charm that you would normally get from your first term of university, followed by a feeling, and I'm definitely picking it up in the press, that there's an inference uh, that we need to be careful about returning home for but Christmas. But hang on a minute, actually, let's just think about this. At first I was like, oh God, those poor things. Well, actually, most of them would want to. The young people, because yeah. you're at that age where Christmas is a bit of a bore, isn't but it? Yes, if being at university yeah. is all about going out and getting smashed and having a good time. I mean, you know, but if you've got all these stipulations and restrictions and curfews in place. And, and also think about all that, because, you know, this idea that everybody that goes to university suddenly has an amazing social life is not true. Oh. People that struggled at school to to or may have been bullied or whatever, they can have incredibly difficult time at Suicide university. Suicide rates at certain universities are off the scale. Yeah. And that is partly again about 
the loneliness you can feel within a, a so-called crowd. I'm sick of hearing this. I mean, how long does it take us as a culture to get this? You can be standing in the busiest room yeah. in a party, in a rave where you shouldn't be, and you can be as lonely as hell. Well, a friend of mine's um, son, who is at um, Bristol uh, a couple of years ago, he said that Freshers Week was hell on earth yeah. because he just didn't want to be that drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had to force himself to be because oh, otherwise... It's very much like that. You just have to keep, keep going. You just got to keep going. You can't fight it. If you fight, and what comes with that is exhaustion and all that stuff. Anyway, so you've got... And Freshers Flu, because there's a thing called Freshers Flu. I didn't know about that. absolutely. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Some of the comments that have come in on our social media platforms, as we said, what are your fears? What are your worries? Um, Chrissy, as ever, we always get lots of answers from young adults, from teens. We love the fact that you listen. Uh, Chrissy, uh, virtual learning for uni means no socialising and making my 19-year-old quite reclusive. Mm. You know, this is it. This is it. You know, you get used to a pattern of solitude and isolation. I'm like that. I mean, in many regards, it suited me. But there are points where I I feel like I want to tear my head off. I feel so. I think that's another thing as well, that people get locked into. Well, it'd be really good. They'll really get down to their education. But that is really missing the point, I think. You know, I mean, a lot of people's attitudes, oh, it's great, there'll be less drinking, there'll be less going out, they'll be in their rooms really studying, right. people will come out with better degrees. But it's not a quid pro quo like that. It won't necessarily, people won't study more and be oh and do God, better no. because no. they're stuck in a room with no temptation no. at all. So, it doesn't work like that. It's, no, it it's a little like bit that. equivalent to thinking that homeschooling is about just sitting in your kitchen learning. It's absolutely not. You've got to be in the... University is called university for a reason. It's about the universe. You are connecting all sorts of different things and it's not just academic. Uh, Larissa Fairclough, an autumn winter, her fear is that an autumn winter lockdown will be far worse than the spring one, however much we need it. It I, won't be. That's I what I will say. Listen, guys, who are worrying about this, think about this. It cannot be worse. No. We didn't have social distancing. We didn't have all the pubs, clubs. Remember those bloody great sporting events that Boris was so happy to mm. keep going, 40,000 people or whatever it was? We don't have anything like that. It cannot be as bad as it no. was before because we just are not interacting in the same way. No. So I know the media want to whip us up like that. And, of course, we have to be incredibly careful, but it's not going to be the same. Well, especially just if can't. you think that already about 14 million members you know, of the population are already under some kind of lockdown. I mean, with those kind of rules in place, it cannot be the same. Uh, A lot of people just saying how they feel. Julie says it's all shit. Mm. Uh, Chrissy says, my son is 15 in a bubble at school with friends all day, but not allowed to hang out after. I think that's very confusing. Very confusing for them because it doesn't make sense to them. Yeah, Sandy's this, that, everything says what we were just saying. Fear of loneliness, even though my house is full. That sort of really broke my heart, that sentence. I mean, I get that. Um, Terry J is going to be so tough on the kids during the summer they could meet in the park. I know, I know. Feeling sad as my daughter's friends are celebrating their 18th birthdays this year. We've got that with Maddie. She's got her 18th coming up this Christmas. I mean, the one thing I'm relieved about that is she always spends it with us because it's on Christmas Day. So that's one lucky thing. Yeah. 
Um, Whitney, 16271. And this is something, Nadia, that you've talked about a lot. I would give up more of my freedom and life to ensure yeah. the future of our children. This is something you yeah. feel very passionately about, uh, I isn't it? I really, really would. I'll give up all my freedoms. I'll say I won't go to a restaurant. I won't do this. I won't do that. I, I will give them all up if mm. it can give them more freedom. Well, I don't understand when people get really... I mean, some people go, why should I say that and why should I do that? We, we are also, again, only potentially... Let's not... I know we all think this is going to be here forever and coronavirus is probably going to be here forever. But let's assume that in six months, it's certainly not going to be even as bad as it is now. And now isn't going to be as bad as it was. Things are only going to get better. I think we can suggest mm. that things are only going to get better. C.L. Kemp, I'm 18, 18, starting first year of uni. There's the usual uni worries. So on top of COVID worries, mm. I'm so anxious. Oh, sweetie, I bet you are. Mm. Make sure you find some way of expressing your anxiety, yeah. whatever that is. Sports, Have a look. good. Well, sport if you're into it, dancing if not. You know, sometimes when I feel really anxious, I would just put on some music just for a couple of minutes and just dance like a maniac, like nobody's watching. Hopefully nobody is watching and it can just release it. But also, is there anybody in your life that you can totally talk to about the way that you feel? And if not, then do ring the Samaritans or Anxiety UK and talk about it because keeping in like scary, anxious feelings um, is the worst thing we can do with them. Actually, Absolutely. we do need to talk about it. And I think as parents of kids at university, I would I would recommend that you try and get a system a in place of keeping in touch Absolutely. with them every week because... Even you know, if you have to pay them, I'll put a tenner yeah, in your account say, for every Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good idea, actually, Brian, because I do remember there were times, and, and of course when I was at university, there was no social media, no phoning. I'd occasionally get a letter from a member of the family it can be a very silent private time. And also a lot of kids, if they're on pay-as-you-go phones or on cheap phone deals, you know, their phones go it's down. Beer money. Their phones, it's beer money. So, you know, I think it's really important that youngsters feel there's a connectivity with the outside and world. I don't think there's anything wrong, listener, in saying, listen, these are, you know, batshit crazy times. Yeah. For I want to have a phone call with you every week. You just tell me how you feel. I'm going to shut up. Yeah. And I just want you to tell me how you feel. You can just... You can just spurt it all. Just just get it all out. Let it come out as a stream of consciousness. Yeah. And I won't try and fix it. I just want to be a listening ear. Really important tip as well, parents, when you say to your child, tell me just tell me how you feel. Don't ever then flip into as a parent into telling them how they ought to feel. Mm. It's just about listening. Uh, Sam, Sam Maria, very anxious and scared and wonder what the end will look like. Will there be an end? Um, I know what you mean. I think there will be a sort of slow grinding to a strange sort of impasse. Jack Carson, uh, at unique accommodation, I doubt they will stick to the rules. He's not able to come home. Uh, obviously, yeah. no son or daughter. Yeah. Uh, to tell you the truth, my 14-year-old doesn't mind having to stay in and not go out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there are some kids... Kiki was really like that at yeah. the beginning of the summer because I think people that feel a bit anxious about yeah. going out socially, it was a time of rest and recuperation. Absolutely. But, but then coming out of lockdown... Kiki's been the most sociable I've ever seen. Lockdown yeah. had an amazing effect on her. Yes, true. Because it took away the options and then it made her realise that's what she wanted to do. Absolutely. And now that's why I worry so much about yeah. for her in a different way to Matty. Yeah, I'm, I'm, now if they stop her going out again. I'm reading know. a really interesting book at the moment by Matt Haig called The Midnight Library. And Matt, there's a Haig, mo- yeah. Matt Haig. And there's a moment in it where, you know, the character in the book doesn't want to live. Um, and... Uh, experience is an experience which has reminded them how they they do want life you know only by almost losing your life yeah. 
do you realise how much life you want? Uh, hey, Wheaty, I prefer life post-lockdown, reduced work hours, slower pace, and finally plunged into home ed. There are many, I mean, we've oh, said that a lot. Oh, into that's, home ed. That's great. Oh. I mean, you know, you know to, it, look, there's a silver lining within everything. And I do think that the opportunities that COVID and lockdown have offered, if, you, if they're not financially disabling you, are, are huge, you know, and a chance to get in touch with yourself, to get to know your kids. Lack of social interaction. Lack of social interaction. Well, you know what we've done, what we're going to do with that? We have said, you know, if you need to have, you know, five friends round, making it up to six, yeah. me, and Mark, me and Daddy will go out. You can sit in the garden, getting heaters in the garden, or sit at the door with the doors yeah. open, and you can have your little bubble of six. Yeah. And yeah. we'll leave the house. Yeah, absolutely. If there's any way that you can find a way for them yeah, to have that idea. interaction, I think it's really good to talk about that now so they're not seeing an endless dark tunnel with no light at it so we will try and facilitate however we can you having that interaction you know if you need to if they need to spend sometimes two three hours on their phone on a a, 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 in a in a what is it they call when they all get together group chat that's what then let them do it don't think about oh they're on their phone think about they just happen to be having a social but it's on the phone you know i go up sometimes and i can hear kiki howling with laughter dancing chatting she's painting she's drawing Mm. and it sounds like she's got 10 people in there but she's just having a group chat with her friends and i don't mind if that goes on all evening because i wouldn't mind if all her friends were here all evening. So. Invest in some outdoor heaters, guys. There are some cheap ones to be had on eBay. Uh, Tralala for depression. My 19-year-old suffers from sad, but recent years of being with friends, socialising has had such a positive effect on him. Winter lockdown will be awful for him. Oh, God. Yeah. Have you got one of the lights? The lights for sads. They oh, really yes, help. Yes. Uh, this really struck a chord with me. Claire Brown, I had a bubbly 16-year-old at the beginning of the year, now a 16-year-old with major anxiety. Oh, God. And I think it's weird. The major anxiety will not be caused from actually being in, though obviously this is a byproduct of being in. It will be the thought of going back out. But also the anxiety that we're holding as parents passes on to them by osmosis. So, you know, what I would say to that again, having, you know, Mark suffers from, from, from his anxiety and has from a child, I mean, proper anxiety you have, you know, and and you know, a number of the girls out of the four girls that we have together have had it. And I would say over and over again, let them talk, let them talk, ask them how they feel. Sometimes you have to push them. Oh, no, nothing, nothing. Sometimes you have to push and go, listen, I can really see that there is something going on. Just, just, you know, splurge it on me. Just, I can just hear it. I can just take it. Just, you know, don't be fearful about the way I feel. Tell me how you feel. Because don't underestimate the fact that kids do worry about sharing their worries with us in case it sends us into a spiral of despair. Yeah. So you've got to be really strong and firm and able and say, I can take everything. Tell me everything that's going on. And also interrogate what your relationship with your child is. You can't interrogate it too much. I think a lot of parents think, oh, this is this is what my relationship is with this child. Just leave it at that. You know, most children, actually, when they don't want to talk to you, and I can think of the sons of friends that this has happened with, they're more often than not, what's making them not talk to you or seem moody or turn away or go, mm, 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 is that they don't, they fear they're going to disappoint you. 
There's often that, a fear yeah, of disappointment, even true. in the most, even in mm. the most sort of out there in your face, mm. sort of cool looking. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. You know, a lot of that bravado and bravura is about covering a worry that you, as a parent, might be somehow disappointed. So I think in these unusual times, all the old rules don't apply. You're not going to be disappointed if they haven't got a job at the right time. You're not going to be disappointed if they haven't got the right grades. You're not going to be disappointed if their mood swings are, are more terrible than normal. You're going to be tolerant because that's what being a parent is about. The other day at work, somebody got very upset at work and they were really crying and it was absolutely tragic what she was telling us. And I was I was really struck by how many times she kept saying sorry. Sorry, and I'm not upset. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. And I thought, this is what we do as adults in front of our children. Yeah. So we teach them that to be upset and to cry is something awkward for other people mm. and we must apologise. So I think one of the one of the other really important things to remember is if sometimes you're crying, I mean, I, you know, I don't think you should cry all the time in front of your kids, don't get me wrong. But if sometimes you do, don't apologise to your child. Say, say, well, you can say, I'm sorry if this is upsetting you, but I just feel this way. It yeah. will pass. Yeah. I wouldn't want this to upset you, but it will pass. And I think validating your own upset allows them to validate yeah. their upset, definitely. Well, let's have a listen to Carlitos. Let's. Yeah. Let's hear it from a young boy's perspective. Yeah, or 16, 17-year-old boy's perspective. It's very, very important um, that we do. Personally, I wouldn't mind too much if the restrictions were to get stricter or if we went into a second lockdown. Um, I, obviously, I wouldn't like it. Obviously, it would be difficult for a lot of people, but... If that's what the people in charge think would be best for the country, then I guess I'd just have to suck it up and get on with it. I mean, that is all we can really do, isn't it? We can't we can't fight it. We can't fight it. Even if it's not what we think is right, we just have to listen because it's what the government have decided and we just have to deal with the cards that we're given. And it will be frustrating and it will be hard for a lot of people. And we we all want this virus to go away and just to get back to our normal lives. And in order for that to happen, we have to have patience and just have to adhere to these new rules. Um, on the other hand, though, I do feel that the government, you know, are having trouble keeping all their balls up in the air. Um, I feel like they aren't handling the situation in the best way possible. I do remember in one of the government statements, I think it was around August, September time, end of August, early September, um, they basically blamed young people for a huge spike in the COVID cases. Um, but yet, at the same time, they're telling us to keep going to pubs and restaurants and even giving us 50% off if we do so and telling us to keep going to schools uh, some schools with 2,000 plus students, and that means getting on crowded buses, crowded trains in rush hour, um, and and even going back to schools. Some schools are really small, um, so it's just overwhelming the corridors. The corridors are really can be really small in a lot of schools and classrooms. Everyone's sitting next to each other. We're all packed in. It's like it's not the best situation to be in, especially if we're in a global global pandemic. Um, 
So I did take offence to that statement because at the end of the day, we are still kids. We're not fully independent yet. We're just doing what we're being told to do by the government. And then we're being penalised for it because they're basically telling us what to do and then telling us off for doing it. It, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I feel it's not really fair. Um, I think if we do go into another lockdown or quarantine thingy like we did in March, we will be 100%, we will be more prepared as it's almost like we've had like a practice run. I mean, we did it already. I think it's good to keep you know, like a routine going as well at home, uh, just so it's not such a shock to the system when normality creeps around the corner. Um, and, I mean, when 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 I say normality creeps around the corner, people expect by 2021 this whole, like, coronavirus pandemic to be gone. It's not going to be gone. It's going to be like this for a long time. Um, people are talking about it as if, coronavirus expires on December 31st it doesn't it's going to go on for quite a while um but anyway I think just spending time doing things uh with family like over lockdown me and my mum have just become obsessed with this tv show and me and my dad watch films together at night and sometimes my brother joins us if he can actually be bothered to come out of his bedroom um so yeah, I think I, I it is manageable. It's manageable, and we did it already. So maybe it won't be so bad this time. And I think as long as everyone's doing, you know, everything they can to be cautious, you know, wear a mask where possible, take temperature every morning. You know, if it's too high, then stay home, or if it's if it's low, then you can go out. And if you have any symptoms, then just isolate. I think if we do that, and just be aware you know, just be aware of everything, then hopefully things will work out in our favour. But who knows? Uh, I, I <laughs> love you, Carlito. He's a brilliant-sounding parent. Isn't it? Well, look how brilliant his mum is. Well, he's got a brilliant go. parent there and he's go. a brilliant boy. And I loved, what I really loved was sandwiched between his true feelings in the middle mm. was the sensible stuff. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. in the middle real emotional articulacy and yeah. I think the government should listen to that yes. bit in the middle that said because there's a boy saying I'm going to stick to the rules I'm going to look for the best I'm going to look for a way out mm. I'm going to but don't forget that you told us yeah. to go and eat out you told us to get on packed buses and go to school and go to schools for yeah. 2,000 people that was I'm so proud of both him and yeah. Maddie and and all of our young people you are an extraordinary mm. generation mm. don't let people tell you anything different you've had yeah. snowflake and now you're having all this you are you know the majority of you are trying your best to find the best way up to deal mm. with this like we all are well so. as ever that was beautiful articulated and, and you're right I think the idea that you know a whole generation have been encouraged to do one thing and then are being penalized for precisely doing the same thing there couldn't be something I can't think of anything that would stick in my throat more as he answered that. and, and he said we're not trusting you now yeah. you need us yeah. to trust you they've both said that Absolutely. they've said let us trust you mm. don't lose our trust and I and that's actually across the country yeah. people now everybody is is, is, is messed up with the rules and people are making their own rules and that's because there hasn't been a clear direction mm. day in, day out and, and our kids are talking in just the same way that we are, aren't they, across the board. So 
Oh, I feel all aerated on behalf of well, us as parents and all the kids out there. It's just, yeah. Well, let's go and deal with winter, shall we? Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>